You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor, and joining me as always on this beautiful Thursday evening, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now, and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's it going so far tonight? Very good, and the most important thing uh, to get to is your Mushu update, and uh, Mushu is set to have her cast uh, taken off on Tuesday. Um, So it's going to be, I think, uh, eight weeks there. She's not recovering like Mario Ferraro. She's a nine-year-old dog, so you got to give her a little bit of... uh, uh, (laughs) A little bit of space. Cut her some slack. Give her a little space there. Uh, But so hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, uh, she's able to take it off and her toe is fully healed. Uh, She is not the, the... the safest or frankly smartest dog at times she makes jumps she shouldn't be making we try to carry her uh as much as you can but uh you know if there's food if there's food beckoning her uh, she'll go anywhere and so she'll uh, jump on that on that on that uh, cast leg of hers uh but uh so hopefully uh fingers crossed uh she will be she'll be fully healed and uh ready to uh, finish the season strong there we go yeah can't say the same about the Sharks, but at least we'll get someone finishing <laughs> strong this season. <laughs> but on uh, on this week's episode, folks, we have uh, something special lined up. We've got a great interview with Rasmus Kogström of Hockey Sverige in Sweden. He is one of the great, uh, well, almost at NHL, but SHL correspondents over there who's as plugged in as anybody. Uh, great recommendation from Shang's buddy, Ufe. So thank you again, Ufe, for the recommendations with Rosmus. He was he was amazing. But we get to ask him about William Eklund's season with Jurgarden in the SHL, along with other Swedish prospects in the Shark system. Uh, before that, we're obviously going to touch on the return of Kevin LeBanc and give our thoughts on a few of the younger Sharks players' performances so far this season. And then, of course, as promised, we're going to resurrect from the dead our sport logic stat of the week, focusing in on the Sharks offensive zone possession numbers this week. Yeah, it's been a weird, uh, we haven't done it. I, I saw, I don't think we've done this since uh, February, but they've also had kind of an odd schedule uh, in terms of uh, the Olympic, whatever, non-break, couple weeks off there and mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Um, um, but yeah, uh, we'll, let's let's uh, dive, dive into that at the end here. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, as always, we will note the date. It is the 31st of March when we're recording this, the eve of April's, April Fool's Day. So when you're listening to this, just be ready. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> like, the Internet's a scary place. On April Good thing Fool's the Day. trade deadline's uh, over for the NHL, at least. You know they time that. Like They're like, oh, no, we got to have <laughs> yeah. the trade deadline. We cannot deadline. have the trade deadline. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's got to be before. Can't be after. <laughs> Well, I think though, wasn't it last last year? It was after though, right? So the the shortened season, I believe it was, but uh, I'll double check that. <laughs> yeah, the chaos was probably insane, <laughs> or or great, depending on which uh, 
which side of the chaos spectrum you are. Me being pro chaos, I loved it. So. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into this injury talk here, Shang. Our little news and notes section that we have for everyone. We're gonna jump into Kevin LeBanks injury and kind of like uh, his timetable, as well as a couple of other things. Let's start off with this timetable. What's it looking like so far, Shang? Well, his timetable is looking very, very short. Uh, he was supposed to see a specialist earlier today. I uh, don't know the result, but uh, it's supposed. The expectation is that he's going to be all clear. He's been actually already been cleared for contact. So they're going to see if the the practice this week, if Brent Burns uh, uh, taking him down a couple of times, uh, how the shoulder stood <laughs> up to that, and yeah. if it uh, stands up to uh, to wear as uh, expected, then Kevin LeBanc will be back uh, as soon as uh, the Sharks clear him then. And it could be as soon as this Saturday. Uh, Kevin LeBanc wants to play this Saturday. He's told us uh, that's sort of his target. And if the Sharks agree, then the Sharks may actually have a pretty full uh, forward group uh, uh, this Saturday. Matt Nieto, of course, just returned. And Jonathan Dolan is very close himself. We'll talk about uh, Jonathan in a little bit. And, yeah, so we're going to see the return of Kevin LeBanc uh, maybe against Dallas. Funny enough, that's uh, who... Uh, or the team that he got hurt against in December. And so uh, Kevin LeBanc has been out for a while. Yeah, it's been, uh, been a minute, right? December January. 11th. Oh, so, no, December, yeah. Yeah, so that that's <laughs> that was the game against Dallas. So it's been uh, uh, over three months, uh, nearing four. Yeah, it seems like it's been forever since we've seen 62 don the, the Sharks jersey. And Something that I continue to see pop up, as with every fan base, Shang, you're going to have differing opinions and points of view on how things should be approached. You know, even something as simple as rebuilding versus uh, continuing to sign players. You know, the, the fans are split right down the middle on it. Something I've seen come up quite a bit are people wondering why the Sharks don't just shut them down in fear of re-injuring that shoulder. So from your point of view... Why are the Sharks going to play him? It's something that uh, any team would do. And, of course, might say, well, just because every team doesn't doesn't mean it's a smart thing. But uh, you're going really against the grain of what makes these guys great athletes by shutting them down when they're totally healthy. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about a little bit uh, in regards with Clayton Keller, uh, who you know suffered a gruesome injury against the Sharks uh, a couple, couple of days ago here. And, you know, why was Clayton, you know, playing so hard at the end of the game? Arizona is way out of, you know, the Sharks, if you think the Sharks are out of the playoffs, the Sharks have not been officially eliminated yet. Uh, Arizona has been officially eliminated for a while yet. So what what's Clayton Keller bothering to, you know, to cut hard on Nicholas Malash? The Coyotes are up three to two. Why is he trying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but an athlete that, especially in a team sport like hockey, a guy that picks and chooses when he plays hard, a guy that sits when he's healthy, uh, that just uh, goes against what makes these guys great athletes. And so I think, uh, I think, uh, I, I think, I think that's, that's what I think people fail to uh, maybe understand sometimes that sure. It makes sense. Like in a, a uh, very uh, practical way. Yeah, just shut down Eric Carlson for the rest of the season, you know, or uh, Eric Carlson just came back, right? Sharks were pretty much out of playoffs. Hey, they lose some games, shut them down for a season. Let's keep them, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let, let, let's keep them behind bubble wrap for the, for until uh, October next year. 
this mm-hmm. goes against again against every instinct of I've I mean I've never been a great athlete but that's at least as far as I I understand it and uh, I wrote about that um, I wrote about something that Logan Couture said that was interesting uh, when I when I asked after the Keller Keller injury just if if seeing an injury like that and Couture was the very first guy to to uh, right behind uh, Keller. Uh, when Keller hit the boards, the first, uh, not just the first shark, but the first player and Couture, you know, signaled, uh, at the, at the bench to, uh, to, to get the trainers over because Couture knew how, how, how bad Couture could hear it. You know, he could hear, yeah. hear, hear, hear Keller screaming. And I asked him, you know, a little bit of a raw moment, uh, just, you know, does that kind of give you pause at the moment to kind of realize just, um, how dangerous a sport that hockey can be, you know, be it uh, uh, skate blades, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, cutting across the ice, you know, 20 miles per hour, uh, you know, vulcanized rubber, right? Uh, pucks mm-hmm. uh, going at 100 miles per hour, uh, everybody armed with uh, with with uh, wooden sticks, all in a closed environment. You know, <laughs> none of this sounds yeah. sounds safe, right? Um Mother's and, screaming everywhere right now. Just that, the thought of that, <laughs> without context, and, at least. Right, and yeah, we are not even talking about the the physicality of it, too. Right, and um, <clears throat> he said something interesting, and he said that you don't, if you think about getting hurt, that's usually when you get hurt. And you know, if you think about what what he's saying there, like my that you know, my first thought was, wait, how? How does that make like that? That just sounds like an old wives' tale. <laughs> if you think about getting hurt, you can get hurt. Like Clayton Keller wasn't thinking about getting hurt. That's not why he got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it speaks to what athletes uh, need to tell themselves to give the give their best. You know, even if there's danger around them or or whatnot, or even if uh, there's nothing to play for in a sense of uh, making the playoffs or or uh, winning a Stanley Cup. You know what? What do you what do you play for? And you need to kind of self talk yourself into into giving your best. And it's when you give your best that you you know even if the the team's not rewarded, you get rewarded individually with a job. Uh, you keep getting making you know millions of dollars playing a game that you love, um, and you don't get to do that if if you check out when you want to. Yeah. And maybe if you're supremely talented, like maybe Connor McDavid could check out if you want to. But most of these guys, even the best players in the world here, if they if they say, hey, you know what? I don't want to play the rest of the season. I, I don't want to risk injury. Guess what? They'll find somebody else to take take your spot. Um, yeah. And they'll find a way to cut you, too. <laughs> and, or if you're like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't I, I didn't want to go hard in the corner in that play uh, just because, yeah, I, I don't want to get hurt. They'll find somebody else who will go hard in the corner who is pretty much as skilled as you or maybe less skilled but that guy will try harder and it sounds really uh you know really dark and putting it that way but i don't want to look at it as though this is how you win this is how you win a stanley cup and it's i'm not trying to glorify uh, you know i know there's that commercial a couple of years ago that people heavily criticized you know the price you pay you know as, as the stanley cup commercial and all it showed was guys's injuries <laughs> And they pulled that pretty, pretty quickly because, um, yeah, it was a little bit too much of that without, uh, but, 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 uh, 
there's that's that's the flip side of it that's 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 the reward you get you know uh if you know you you give it your all you make a career of yourself for 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 yourself for one thing but also too like that's what gets you to the 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 ultimate kind of prize of of, of the sport uh stanley cup um making it the playoffs things things like that and so anyway, why play? So just so-called why play him? So I've talked about sort of the philosophical reasons why you play him. Because again, it just goes against the grain of of a, of a, perf- of a now perfectly healthy athlete. Uh, you know, uh, fifteen or so games to play. Um, of course, he's going to play. Yeah. Um, so okay, beyond that though. So practically for the Sharks, uh, why play him? So first, the Sharks need to figure out if this guy's really in their plans. Uh, next year now granted with this contract uh they may have no choice to have him in their plans but they need to figure out if they want him in their plans or not right because we've seen we saw what kevin did in the first 21 games this year before he got hurt he just six points right that's not a guy that honestly was blowing anybody away that you want in your plans at 4.725 million a year at least based on what we saw earlier in the season right so can he put together 15 games here that make us remember oh hey this is a guy that scored 56 points a couple years ago or here's a guy that uh has average even in down seasons the last two years half a point a game still um so that's one kind of uh practical reason why the sharks want to play him the second is just for his value too and so again if you decide that you don't want him and you want to move him which a lot of sharks fans do want to move him guess what you're getting for a guy uh if you shut him down right now guess what you're getting for a guy that is making 4.725 million in the next two years and has six and is supposed to be a scorer a power play guy and has six points point in 21 guy. games, a 50 or a 60 point guy, like Doug Wilson said, right? 60. Or even a 40 or 50 point guy, right? So, yeah. so at, at that price tag, six points in 21 games, what are you getting for him, Nick? Uh, $1, Bob. <laughs> you, you know what? The Sharks would take. Uh, if, 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 if they, if they mothballed him right now, if a team offered him, uh, the Sharks literally $1 and they would take the entire cap, it the Sharks would take that. The Sharks would take that. But you're not, going to get a dollar. you're not even going to get a dollar. You're not even, no, but not even though, you know, yeah. uh, granted Kevin's still pretty young. So he's got, on, got down on his side, but you know, who is taking that kind of uh, a price tag with that kind of production? And you have not seen any good play, like consistently good play from him this year. Nobody. In the words of Keith Sweat, right? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. And so, yeah, uh, so that so in that situation, if you shut him down now and you try to trade him this summer, then you absolutely need to add things to him. You need to add draft pick or something. A draft pick, yeah. a decent draft pick or something, right, for a team to even consider taking him. And yeah. so those are the practical reasons. You need to see him put good tape out this year. Uh, consistently for for a stretch of games to help you decide if you want this guy as part of the sharks uh or are you going to try to move him and if you're going to try to move him well people are watching the same hockey you are uh they're not going to buy on kevin lebank based on his first quarter of the season but maybe a team will buy on him if they like what they see in this last part of the season makes sense to me yeah and (laughs) i want to add one more thing too uh i wrote about this a, a little bit um you know, if we go back to to last summer, uh, last off season, and you you remember this, Nick? Uh, what was Timo Buyer's value? Uh, was this the same question as before, just phrased differently with a different guy? It was well, three quarters on the dollar at yeah. best. Yep, yeah, that, and that and that's that's where Timo's value was at. 
Uh, I'm not saying that Kevin LeBanc can come back and be an all-star next year. I don't know if that's quite his ceiling, but mm-hmm. can't. It, he's at Timo Meyer's age. Uh, he has been productive uh, over the last three, even in down seasons, we see the flashes of talent, of high-level talent from Kevin LeBanc, uh, just like we saw with Timo. And so I, I think that... Um, you know, I think the Sharks do have an interesting decision here. If if Kevin does does put up some good tape to at the to finish the season, obviously he sees his ceiling isn't quite Timo Meyer's ceiling. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, are you are you, if 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 Kevin does perform well, are you hoping he can continue it, or are you going to try to sell him off at what you can based on uh, his, you know on some good tape that he he's put out there? But I will say though, again though, you know, not to write off players too quickly, especially at the you know, Kevin LeBanc is 26, Timo Meyer is 25. Um, you know, a lot of people have written off Timo Meyer uh, uh, at this past summer. A lot of teams too, right? You know, teams weren't yeah. taking Timo Meyer at, unless the Sharks were going to give him away. And I'm sure a lot of these teams that uh, could have had a chance to grab Timo uh, for a fairer price are probably, damn, we should have because Timo has obviously outperformed what a fair price would have been this this summer or fair price for his talent. Yeah. Um Timo Meyer has emerged and it looks pretty pretty legitimate uh, uh, as one of the elite wingers in the game. And so can Kevin LeBanc? Kevin LeBanc's not going to do that, but can Kevin LeBanc come uh, come back next year and show uh, why the Sharks signed him to uh, to that contract? I think absolutely the talent is there. Um, and so again, I would not write him off so quickly, um, but. Anyway, so why play him? Well, those are, you know, fills off the, the, the big picture reasons uh, for a competitor, for an athlete, and just the practical reasons for the Sharks. It doesn't even really make sense to, to, to shut him down. Yeah. Uh, the next guy we're talking about coming back from injury is much sooner than, uh, than anticipated. Maybe not too soon, but basically where I'm going with this, sorry, brain is just completely z'd out right now (laughs) um the the winning culture that we've talked about before and getting to the nhl you don't get to the nhl by shutting yourself down when you don't want to play hard because you're not in the playoffs you 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 compete from start to finish that's how you get to the nhl that's how you become a full-time nhl you don't want guys like that on your team usually yeah i mean to be honest i mean i know it makes sense practically i mean it makes sense like uh, not to want to get hurt and all these things, right? And and you know, pain is sort of glorified, unfortunately, in sports and in hockey. You know, uh, and we've seen that, right, with some of the uh, addiction to painkillers and things like that. So I, I I get that that perspective, but again, you know, you're really going against the nature of of most of these guys by telling them to like, hey, yeah, uh, you know, I know you're going to bring up uh, Mara Ferraro here, right? Like. Yeah, you're exactly. not telling Mario <laughs> who who is getting to perfectly healthy. Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, we want to save you. We want to save you next season, and also too, we want to lower your 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 contract ask this year by making you sit out for the last three weeks of the season, even though you're perfectly healthy, uh, Mario. How how's he going to take that? I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> he's been banging down the door to, to already to get back right? on yeah. the ice, <laughs> and it, it, that that's just the type of player two weeks that ahead you, of his initial yeah, uh, yeah timetable. You know, the, the the most positive. Uh, of, of his initial diagnosis, which was 68 weeks, and four weeks later, he's practicing and he's already trying to talk to coaches and they're letting him back, uh, you know, back in the game action. Yeah, and while on the outside, 
from like a parental perspective, you're like, oh, that's just not healthy. They need to sure, rest up. Sure, sure. No, I, this is these are these guys are literal animals. He doesn't even have teeth anymore. His defensive par partner and himself have matching grills now because of the lack of teeth that they have. It's not. I don't want to say it's a disregard for their for their health because if he's not being cleared, he's not going to be able to play. But the second that they're going to get cleared. They made it this far in their career. They love this game so much. They love what they do. They love their teammates. They want to play. You want those guys on your team. Yeah, you no, they only make the it guys. so far uh, yeah. by yeah, with 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 that kind of uh, attitude of uh, yeah. yeah, like uh, we may say there's nothing to play for, but draft position but try this is an nhl 22 man like, right try try <laughs> try saying that to to mero ferraro or kevin LeBanc. like hey you guys should sit out so the, the sharks have a better chance to 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 uh draft shane Wright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, i don't give a fuck about yeah. shane Wright. <laughs> yeah fuck that until guy. <laughs> he gets drafted i don't give a fuck about him but yeah ferraro two weeks sooner he's already banging down the door he's on the ice and the extra sweaters you think there's a chance that he's going to play again this year? Oh, and absolutely, he's going to play this year. I mean, <laughs> unless he has a setback, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, when we got the original uh, diagnosis of six to eight weeks, if he had been on the later end of that, that would have been like a week left in the season. Uh, maybe yeah. he wouldn't have come back in that case. But now he is, you know, at this point, like three and a half weeks of uh, the, the worst diagnosis. Uh, you know, I don't think the Bob Mugner is 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 a uh, chomping to, to to play him again. The Sharks aren't in a playoff situation, so there is a need mm -hmm. to rush him. Uh, but they've been putting him through practice. Uh, Bob did say after Mario's first practice that you know he didn't quite have the jump that that uh, that uh, Bob is accustomed to seeing from Mario. And so they're not just you know putting him in just to have his name out there and to give him the minutes. You know, uh, they're going to yeah. wait till he has that kind of pop in his leg. If he if he does have that, and when he gets that back, he'll be right back into the lineup. And um, yeah, so I would guess that uh, at this rate, it should uh, he he should uh, be on the shorter side of that sixty eight weeks. Uh, maybe even next week, who knows? But we'll see. You know, uh, he did travel with the team, and he's still practicing with the team. These are all good signs. And so if he continues to, you know, with his injury, you know, a fibula, like, you know, he wasn't able to skate a lot, right? So I think that that's unlike a Carlson who had an arm injury and even Kevin LeBanc with a shoulder injury, right? You can still skate with those. You can still keep your conditioning up, right? Your wind, that kind of thing, right? A bit harder when you can't skate and you probably can't run, you know, all those kind of things, right? Yeah. And so I think that Amaro might need a little more time in that respect. And once he gets his win and his jump back, then he's going to be right back uh, into the lineup. And another guy we wanted to touch on as well, uh, Jonathan Dolan. He's pretty much close to returning as well, kind of on that LeBanc timeline. I think he's with the team, correct? Yeah, he is with the team. Uh, there was some thought that he might be able to go uh, uh, against Colorado, uh, but actually it was Matt Nieto who came back from injury. So Niels came back a little bit earlier, uh, but Dolan, yeah, could be uh, this Saturday uh, against against uh, against Dallas. We could talk about LeBanc and Dolan being back in the lineup. Pretty much everybody, uh, all the forwards at least healthy, except for maybe Gadrovich, I think. And so that's uh, that that's going to be a, a pretty nice uh, for the the Sharks uh, uh, to at least uh, you know kind of put out put out their 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 best there. And for a guy like you know, we talk about Kevin LeBanc showing uh, you know Kevin LeBanc obviously poor start to the season uh he really needs to close the season strong if he can 
mm-hmm. which you know maybe he might have some uh, challenges just because again his injury is a tough one to come back uh, the shoulder and you know that full range of motion and what and, and that kind of thing right so he may need uh you know he's perfectly healthy or he should be perfectly healthy but still needs to kind of you know, work that shoulder back into hockey shape. Uh, with Dolan, though, uh, Dolan had, of course, a terrific start to the season. I think eight goals in the first first 15 games. Uh, but obviously, uh, Jonathan's fallen off uh, quite a bit. Uh, obviously, he's also had a lot of injuries and COVID and just different reasons for him to be in and out of the lineup, too. And so he hasn't been able to get kind of a consistent rhythm. But he is also a guy that really could use a, a strong close to the season and kind of show the Sharks, show everybody that uh, that beginning of the season is very much for real. And that's actually something that we're going to talk to talk uh, with Rasmus about, about Jonathan Dolan's season in a little bit. Yeah, the main reason why um, I wanted to really bring up all this stuff, and especially what we're going to talk about here with the young guys coming mm-hmm. for, or moving forward, is you can only dress so many guys on the sure. ice, right, Shang? So let's say you got LeBanc coming back. You have Long Beach native Matt Nieto back in the lineup, mm-hmm. killing penalties as per usual. You have Jonathan Dolan coming back, right? Ne- sure. Let's say, hypothetically, next week these guys are all back in the lineup. Well, someone has to not play <laughs> right. the young guys. That's a good uh, point, Yeah. We we're gonna start with 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 Merkley because obviously he's the easiest one to talk about. He's had well, the most playing time. Can I jump um, in here? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I I always like, um, and I am different than a lot of a lot of people, I guess, in this respect, or people that I see uh, uh, online or. Uh, you put your milk not. in the bowl first before the cereal? <laughs> no, I absolutely do not do that. That's <laughs> okay, disgusting. okay. We just uh, had to do but... a quick psychopath check. He is not crazy. Okay, <laughs> proceed. <laughs> but I like young guys take people's jobs, basically, which doesn't sound nice. But, you know, I, I wanted John Leonard to be so good that he's playing ahead of Kevin LeBanc. Just actually, you know, Barabanov's not a young guy, but that's what Barabanov has done, right? Barabanov yeah. has been so good that he basically took Kevin LeBanc's job. And mm-hmm. you want that kind of uh, – you want guys to get pushed down in the lineup. You want – ideally on a team, you want, you want somebody to take Barabanov's job. And basically push Barabanov into being your fifth or sixth or seventh if you're a great team, best forward. Same with Kevin mm-hmm. LeBanc, right? That's how you make a great team. So I hate the, the idea of giving young players. We're going to talk about Ryan Merkley here and the, some of the young forwards. I hate the idea of just giving them top six, top nine minutes, whatnot. You know, if they haven't earned it, you know, take it from Kevin LeBanc. Be better than Kevin LeBanc. Mm-hmm. Be better than Jonathan Dolan, who's a young guy. But, you know, Jonathan Dolan's obviously established himself a bit more than some of these guys that we talked about. You know, be so good that the coaches have to play you over, over the more established guys, and that's how the Sharks start to make a genuinely good team again. When you have uh, guys who are taking the jobs or of a Kevin LeBanc or pushing them down the lineup a little bit, uh, but if you're just yeah. giving these guys jobs just because they're young and any playing time, that's how you get smoked because most of these guys aren't ready for prime time yet, uh, in my uh, observation. But anyway. No, that's a fair point because, I mean, and that's not to say, like, for example, right, Barabanov comes in, takes Kevin LeBanc's job. That's not an indictment on Kevin LeBanc because Kevin LeBanc can continue to get better, right? You just found somebody who at the moment is playing better than him. So if you, it's, if you ripple that effect down, like you said, that's how you start to become a better team because mm-hmm. whereas before you had him as a top six forward, now he's a middle six forward. Okay, you well, know, the, the, 
No, just go oh, ahead. Man. Now he's F9. And so yeah. now you have a deeper team. So it's better yep. in general. Competition within is better. That's what you want. And that's how these guys all operate. You need that inter-team competition to keep each other in check, to keep the abilities and to keep the skill level at an all-time high. Yeah, Kevin LeBanc, uh, obviously his best season was 2018-19 when he was on the third line uh, with uh, Joe Thornton. He was probably the Sharks' maybe seventh, eighth best forward, right? But mm-hmm. when you can hide a, hide a guy with LeBanc's skill, uh, kind of in the weeds there when everyone's worried about Eric Carlson in his prime, Brent Burns in his prime, Timo Meyer breakout season, Hurdle, Couture, Pavelski, Thornton, right? That's yeah. how LeBanc can come out of nowhere with that four point because no one's kind of watching him, but he's plenty skilled. He's a guy that you give him time and space, he can hurt you bad. And that's how you start to make the semblance of a good to great team. Great team, actually. That Sharks team, if they were healthy, they very well could have won a Stanley Cup that year. And so, yeah, so these, these are good things in a way of putting these kind of obstacles in a way right but good obstacles where if Kevin LeBanc gets pushed down he's still going to have an important role he's still plenty good player uh but then now you have a player ahead of him that wasn't there before and suddenly you're a deeper team right like like Mm -hmm. you talk about and so that is so so important and so yeah I know that when Kevin LeBanc plays when he gets back to to playing you know we're going to hear about like, well, why is Kevin LeBanc in the top six? Why not give that to Sasha Chmielewski or Scott Reedy? Or how about the other way around? Why can't Reedy and Chmielewski earn it? Just like Kevin LeBanc earned it years, years ago. You know, Kevin LeBanc started just like these guys did, fourth line, not playing a lot, right? And just worked his way up. And eventually on a kind of a, a deaf poor Sharks team, obviously, but Kevin LeBanc is a you know clear top six forward on this this team or top six skill forward uh, yeah. on this, on this team. And he has earned that. And um, so why can't these guys take jobs too? Yeah. I mean, they have ample opportunity here and I know a lot of people will point to time on ice and it's like, it's, you, you got to make do with what you get. At that take point. your time Everyone's- on ice. Yeah. Make do with what you've got and be so good in that limited time that the coaches give you a little bit more. You keep being good eventually you're 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 playing you know legit you know top six minutes or whatever again that's the path that lebanc took with a deeper sharks team that's a path that meyer took with a deeper sharks team in front of them nobody was giving them uh you know first line you know maybe they'll get a game or two to show their stuff against you know with the best the sharks best players back then but they weren't automatically you know given like uh months at a time on a top line to work out their problems yeah exactly the first guy I wanted to get into, as I said earlier, was Ryan Merkley, uh, mainly because I believe he's had the most playing time here with the Sharks, um, and in my opinion, deservedly so. He has the most potential. He has the most upside of all the prospects. Uh, for, my, for myself, I think Merkley continues to show that offensive upside on the ice. Yeah, his point production might not be the best right now, but he He's shuffled through a lot of different D partners. He's also playing bottom pairing minutes, but like we said before, deservedly so. He's not really coming in. He's not going to be taking over Brent Burns or Eric Carlson's job. So he needs to make do with what he's getting. He's also getting power play time. So yeah, the the second power play unit is what we've dubbed youthful exuberance because it's a lot of young guys on that line. Um, but Mark Merkley's going to have to continue to show out. And something I wanted to kind of point out personally, just from the, I'm not a professional scout. Uh, I just premise this or preface this with, with that statement here. 
Um, I have not hated him being paired with Vlasic. I feel like a guy of Vlasic's um, skill level and hockey IQ and maybe even um, what's the word I'm essentially looking for? Like a, like a good teacher for Merkley in defense. Yeah, Vlasic's game has fallen off, but that doesn't mean that he's a dumb hockey player now. So maybe you get a guy like Vlasic to come in there and kind of help bolster up Ryan Merkley's defensive attributes and make him more well-rounded as a player while not limiting him offensively as a player. I, I don't hate what I've seen from Merkley. There's obviously, he leaves you kind of left with somewhat more to be desired, but he's got a, plenty of plays out there so far and you can see where it's like you know what he's had a couple games where he's impressed the shit out of me he's had a couple games where i feel like i didn't even know he was out there half the time and those are the the bumps the the speed bumps in the road of of making it to become a full-time nhler but i i feel like merkley has a lot of upside and i still think that he's going to continue getting the ice time that he deserves uh going into next season yeah um Definitely, he has uh, gone uh, beyond my expectations this year, and I may look really bad in in the end for this. But I had uh, Ryan Merkley um, lower than most people would have had him in my top ten Sharks prospect list to start the season. I had him at number seven. I had uh, Hadika and uh, Kenyazev ahead of him. Um, I may still have him ahead of him. I actually haven't uh, thought about my my top ten yet, and you know, I think the difference obviously is Merkley. This is his second pro year, whereas uh, Hadika and Kinyazev, uh, that's their first pro year, so it's not really a fair comparison there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Merkley has proven to me, though, one thing he's proven to me is that he is offensively good enough for the NHL. I'm not breaking any news here, of course, but uh, his ability to move the puck, his uh, you know, is cool under pressure is more than NHL uh, a caliber. It's above average uh, for sure. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, I still have questions, obviously, about his defensive game, and it's just been okay. Um, you know, even when he is, he is, you know, kind of uh, putting himself more into it than I think he may have last year. Maybe he's just more able to because he is in better shape this year than he was last year. Uh, just playing harder, basically, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, maybe he w- was trying hard last year, but just he was sluggish because he just wasn't as and he's admitted himself that he just wasn't as in good a shape last year. But um, yeah, I, 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 I still have a lot of questions about his defensive game, if it's going to be good enough uh, to uh, to to uh, to stand up to withstand a uh, top four or even regular bottom pairing minutes. Uh, so have questions even about his offensive game uh, where, like you said, they leave something uh, leaves uh, uh, something kind of, you want a little bit more at times from him. I've kind of written about it uh, before where see him make a, a couple of nice plays enter the zone. But once he gets in there, it doesn't do much with it. You know, it kind of loses it like on crossing the blue line. I've seen, seen that happen a few times. And what happens there is the, you know, you lose the puck when you cross the blue line, that's counterattack the other way. And so it almost it makes, makes that, makes that uh, uh, entry, that foray in from, uh, from one zone to another that, that Merkley made, that was impressive, but, 
you lose the puck right there at the, at the when you enter. That's a very dangerous place to lose it. The team goes the the opposition goes the other way and counterattacks, gets a good chance. Um, that's a that's a net loss there. And More often than not, an odd man rush because your defenseman bringing it up through the offensive zone at that point. Right, or your forward has to has to has to come cover, and that's that's already kind of a negative there too, having your forward uh, covering for a defense. Um, so. Yeah, I, so I, I haven't seen quite enough of that positive yet to declare. Uh, I, I don't want to, again, I, I don't want to be too negative because I, I think that, again, he has uh, outdone, outperformed my expectations. And and uh, I want to emphasize again that his puck moving, his patience, like he is Angel Calber undoubtedly in, in that in that area. He is, you know, cool as a cucumber with the puck. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, you know, very enjoyable to to watch uh, uh, in, in, in that regard. But in terms of just the does the positive outweigh the negative yet? I don't think we're quite there yet. And um, you know, I think that it's very fair, of course, to compare him just in terms of style of game to Eric Carlson. Uh, and uh, Eric Carlson, well, Eric Carlson's had a rough few last games here, but you know, over Eric Carlson's career, though, we can say though that Eric Carlson is a great example of a player that there's going to be some bad, ugly plays there, some defensive miscues, some turnovers, but there's no doubt that in the better part of Eric Carlson's career that the positive outweighed the negative. And tremendously. Tremendously. And so uh, with Merkley in this stretch of, you know, of, of this season where we've seen him play, I think he's getting better, uh, but I haven't quite seen the positive outweighed the negative quite yet for me. Some people might might disagree. Uh, one area that I think can still be better, and I do see improvement from the last time he was here, was his work on the power play. Um, and it is that is actually one area that I think has definitely jumped up uh, from the last time that that, that he was here. Uh, you know, uh, whenever that was, you know, last call a couple weeks ago, a month ago, or whenever, right? Um, he was given the keys to the second power play unit, you know, whatever a month ago it was very underwhelmed with what he did with it. And the sharks were so underwhelmed that they, uh, they kept Ryan Merkley around, but they decided to put Jake Middleton on the second unit power play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we lived through the Jake Middleton power play era somehow we survived. <laughs> we should definitely uh, make a t-shirt for that one. Uh, I love Jake by the way, but, <laughs> but even he knows that he, he had no business being on an NHL power play on a, on a regular basis there. Um, and, Anyway, um, so uh, just to summarize quickly, uh, uh, not not to just criticize without giving specifics. You know, what I saw with Merkley on the power play about a month ago uh, was a guy that um, just uh, would see uh, would see him advance the puck up, but then uh, not drop in the right place at right timing for guys, uh, drop it too quick, just basically not put the 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 the, the carrier the puck carrier behind them in a good position with the puck and you know if you want to watch the you know the pros do it right right watch you know and they're not even that great at it because the the sharks power play entries and whatnot haven't been great uh, in, in all of uh, this year but you're going to see brent burns do the same thing brent burns will, will quarterback advance the puck or eric carlson they'll advance the puck and then they'll drop it back to team on wire um, actually now with uh, uh, Carlson and Burns on the same power play, it's Burns advancing the puck, and then Burns has the option of dropping it back to Timo or Eric Carlson. Uh, those are his, uh, th- that's his double drop option there. And you just mm-hmm. see how much smoother it is than when Merkley was doing it about a month ago. And granted, the talent coming, you know, the, the players playing behind, uh, skating behind Merkley aren't Timo or Eric Carlson. But it's also on Merkley too, where, um, uh, I just I just felt his work on a power play was a bit aimless, kind of, you know, where got got uh, I got to in love with just holding the puck and and kind of making moves, but really not uh, uh, using his teammates well or just 
just having a sense of 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 uh, of you know he's on a five man unit, not just kind of you know Harlem Harlem globe trotting him himself a little bit. I yeah. do, do definitely think that's improved uh, over the last week or so. Um, and so yeah, kind of better on entries, uh, more coordinated uh, with uh, with the rest of his team, more engaged too. You know, I saw a nice play that he made against Colorado today where uh, he didn't like the drop option, so he just skated it. He's just skated it in by himself. And so there's part of uh, just a little more kind of uh, alertness to kind of his surroundings, which I think was lacking about a month ago on the power play. Um, so, yeah, so so I, I've seen that that positive, but still, you know, mixed review, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, at this point, anyway, for me as a Sharks fan, especially if there's any way I can take any sort of win uh, progression for Ryan Merkley, in my opinion, is going to be a win for this season something i'll look back on you know in the off season yeah say, hey. no, that's fair it, it was paused i mean it was looking pretty dire uh, this past summer uh, to, to be honest so he did yeah. not have a very good year last year yeah uh next on our list of players here we have two that kind of go hand in hand with each other we're going to kind of differentiate differentiate them but they're going to be talked about hand in hand we have uh sasha shimlevsky first here shang i'll let you get started i I'll be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot from Sasha that has really changed my opinion on him. Um, it's I, I saw this as a make or break year for him, and I'm, I, I'm just not seeing it. What are your thoughts? I'm seeing a little more uh, positive. I think the coaching staff is too. Uh, the coaching staff, uh, obviously, in the Colorado game, I'll put him back with uh, Logan Couture. Uh, I don't think he belongs uh, in the end on a NHL second line, but even to get that promotion there shows that the coaches are seeing some, a little more pop from him than they are from some of the other young players uh, in the in the lineup. Uh, John Leonard, for example, uh, just to be blunt about it. And uh, I think uh, what I do like about uh, Sasha that I've seen is that uh, just he is a uh, very very smart. And yes, you know. Uh, the, the thing that you've seen that we've all seen is that the skating is still troublesome, even though it's better than it was. Um, but yeah, those first steps are, are really rough from him. Uh, but um, there are examples of a lot of players out there who don't skate that well, but they are so smart. And, you know, what they say, of course, is that the puck moves faster than the feet. And so can Sasha, you know, kind of break through and be one of those kind of players where, yeah, uh, he's never going to be fast, but can he get to the places that he needs to be just because of his hockey brain? Um, maybe, you know, I, I, I do think that he is better this time around than he was last year. Uh, I think that, I think that, uh, when he, when he enters the zone, I've seen him more often than not make kind of the, the right plays. And, uh, Bob Bugner said uh, today, uh, was interesting. He said that, uh, two things, uh, that I found interesting was or three things actually that that he said uh, that I found interesting were first that uh, uh, Sasha thinks the game very well and we can see that um, and also too that of of all you know the, you know he was kind of talking about all the young forwards I don't know specifically he was talking about every young forward on the team but he was he did say though that Sasha sort of has the best kind of two way mind. Of of all of all the the young forwards or or maybe the the recent ones at least uh, that that are on the sharks now and that 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 means a lot if you want to stay in the NHL you know that to be able to to uh, to 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 think the game the right way 
but also add that in with some of the, you know, the offensive flair that we do see from Sasha, some of the slick moves that he's, that he's got and, uh, and, and, and that sort of uh, business. Um, and then the third thing he said was that uh, for a lot of players, you know, it's in that third year of that ELC. Uh, this is why it's so critical for Sasha Chmielewski and a John Leonard. You know, they're uh, going to be RFAs at the end of this season. There's going to be a question of whether or not the Sharks, uh, you know, are they going to are, are they going to make it that the Sharks need to bring them back and need to basically uh, assure them of a of a of a spot next year in the lineup. Um, and I can't say I've been that impressed with, with Sasha Chmielewski that I think that that he uh, absolutely needs to be in the lineup next year. Uh, but I do see a player that definitely has figured it out at an angel level at a higher level than he did last year. Mm-hmm. And um, I think too, and I, you know, we were bringing these t- two guys up together just because they, they were called up basically together here. Uh, Sasha Franklin has been way better than John Leonard in the yeah. last uh, f- uh, five games or so. Uh, even though John Leonard has the clear physical tools, you know, we see the shot, we see the speed. Uh, so, you know, maybe John is still in a place where he's kind of overthinking things uh, a little bit there. And uh, John did say that when uh, he first came up uh, recently, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when we asked him, he said, yeah, I, he uh, he was in a place where earlier in the season, it, even in AHL, he was overthinking things a bit. And maybe he is now. Uh, but in terms of uh, pure talent, uh, pure skill, uh, there's no question that, that John Leonard is ahead of Sasha Chmielewski. Uh, but in terms of just processing the game, though, and making an impact, uh, Sasha Shemleski has been uh, has has you know just been involved a lot more than than uh, than uh, than Leonard has been uh, so far. And so again, you know, uh, these are two different players, so it's not necessarily fair to put them in the same boat. But insofar as uh, they are, the contract situations are the same, and the Sharks obviously will need to figure out. You know, they're forward for next year, and there's going to be obviously only so many spots. And, uh, you know, two weeks ago, I would have definitely told you that John Leonard was ahead of Chimileski just because of the obvious kind of physical gifts that John Leonard has. But Chimileski has has put up a better tape uh, since since he's been called up, and that's why uh, Sasha, you know, was briefly promoted to the Couture line in the Calgary game and had a big part in the game-winning goal there, right? And Logan uh, Couture's game-winning goal there, and promoted once again up with uh, with with Couture. Um, I guess finally long term, you know, again, you know, this is temp- temporary stuff. You know, I don't think anyone thinks that Chimileski is a second-line player, um, and uh, you know, based on what uh, watching him in that in the game against Colorado, you know, he made some nice plays, but again, you know, not a guy that screams to me he must be uh, on your second line or maybe even your third line, but. You know, he's a guy that has taken what's been given to him in the lineup and has done more with it than John Leonard. Yeah, and just talking on John Leonard as well, you know, he went from AHL star of the week, just killing it down uh, with the Barracuda. And sort of, I don't think he's scored a goal even for the Sharks so far. He's just kind of done a bit of a disappearing act up here in San Jose and, and and it might come down to like you said him overthinking things it's a different beast up here it's faster I say up here as if I'm there like what the fuck am I talking about but up in the NHL you know it's it's a it's obvious just just from watching an AHL game and watching an NHL game they're very very different paced it's a different animal so 
Um, I'll never root for any of these guys to lose. I'll tell you that much. Like I want to see these guys all succeed, but like it, I, I think you're right when you group him and Sasha together in the sense that situationally, um, they're in, in that same boat as far as contract and like what they need to do moving forward to solidify themselves, uh, hopefully on this team. Yeah, I would say too, uh, you know, um, Let's not uh, give up on John Leonard. Uh, I've oh, always no, been high, high, high on his talent, and uh, even earlier this season, when he got off to a rough start with a Barracuda, I was still talking him up. And uh, I think it's also worth noting too that uh, uh, John uh, hasn't had actually Sasha. Even Sasha has that had signed a three-year ELC. Uh, John Leonard did not. Uh, so. Uh, John Leonard is actually John Leonard's second year of pro hockey, whereas it's uh, it's uh, Chimileski's third. And yeah. so, you know, maybe maybe, you know, maybe that's 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 going to be that that's that's a difference where uh, where uh, Leonard still needs maybe just a little more seasoning to to kind of get it at at this at this level. So I'm not writing any anybody off. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, right now though, uh, I, I think though that, uh, John Leonard does need to show more, uh, whether or not that'll happen this season. I don't know. doesn't mean that again, you know, uh, just because their ELCs are over, doesn't mean that the Sharks can't sign them and, 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 you know, give them a, give them a shot next year. Uh, but of course though, they will not be waiver exempt anymore. That's, I think a big part of it. And so if the Sharks do sign them, then they've got to really have, if, you know, they don't show it right now. Then they've got to have some, you know, really amazing uh, camps, uh, or otherwise they're going to be, you know, then they enter another cycle of phase in their career where um, they're not quite NHLers and they just go back and forth between the minors and, you know, they aren't really claimed or picked up. You know, they're good enough for the NHL, but not quite good enough to stick around all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, not where either of these players want to be. And uh, so, yeah, so very clear is curious if uh, John Leonard can really uh, turn around his game in the next uh, in the next month or so. Uh, yeah, I think that'll be one of the interesting uh, subplots uh, for the remainder of the Shark season. And our, our final final guy that we wanted to talk about before we jump into our sport logic stat of the week, um, I want to say has probably the least amount of pressure being this is his first year into the NHL. You know, he played 17 games for uh, the Barracuda last season. Uh, did quite well, you know, coming out of the college scene. That's uh, Scott Reedy. Yep, he's um, got another year on his ELC, too. So, yeah, yeah so he can go back and forth and, uh, yeah. yeah, not worry about it too much. Uh, but just really quick, Shang, if you could give us a quick breakdown. What is what has Reedy done that, you know, maybe others haven't seen you know he's played 20 games for the sharks so far yeah he's only at three points but what has he done to warrant those 20 games played in the nhl whereas others may have not well one thing i've been really impressed by scott i have to say is that um his first couple times with the sharks earlier this season he looked lost to me he did not look like he he belonged in nhl really at all Mm -hmm. um and uh this time around though the last uh 10 or so games that he's been around he looks he looks closer to i mean he he really there's a significant jump uh and significant just you see that his his understanding of the pace of the game when to let go of the puck uh, when, you know, uh, when to dump it in, when to carry a little bit, that kind of stuff, uh, just little stuff like that has really grown. Like he, um, I, I, I don't want to say he looks like he belongs. He's, I, I, 
on a better team, he's not in NHL. Let's just be honest. But but uh, I guess the nice way to put it is he doesn't look out of place. He definitely looked out of place earlier this season. Um, and so to see that kind of progression, even just within a season, it happens with some players, but you don't only really see that. You know, sometimes the, the player, a uh, young player, needs that off season. You know, to get stronger, uh, whatever, to get his mind back on track with with a couple months off, that sort of thing, right before attacking the NHL season. Uh, sometimes the guy needs that kind of long kind of uh, time in between. Uh, so to see Scott Rady kind of evolve into a fringe NHL player uh, from being a guy who, again, who did not look to me like he was belonged at all uh over the last couple months here it's been uh, impressive and so just a little things that i've liked from uh from scott um little puck distri- distribution things uh in in tight spaces doing a better job of moving the puck in tight spaces uh his bread and butter is sort of net front and and doing a good job there and he has done that he scored a power play goal against uh uh against uh Wait, was it Colorado? No, it was Arizona, right? Scored his power play goal, right? Yeah, I believe uh, so. But yeah, but anyway, though. Uh, yeah, but uh, so he's he's done some nice stuff along the wall, um, you know, winning some battles. And um, yeah, you know, there is a reason, too. Uh, you know, Jasper Weatherby was sort of the, 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 the kingpin there, uh, r- rookie forward for the Sharks during the season, besides Jonathan Dolan and William Mecklen. And mm-hmm. it looked like well, Weatherby was kind of... Uh, Kind of hold on to that four C spot, but you know, watching Jasper and I, you can see it in all my game notes, and so it's not me just you know revisionist history just because he's down with the Barracuda now. I had a lot of question about uh, Jasper's sort of um, ability moving the puck up through different zones and decisions with the puck and making them fast enough. His pace of play, right? And uh, I don't, yeah, I, I haven't. I don't know if uh, in recent viewings of Jasper, if that got way better. Whereas with uh, Scott Reedy, uh, these were the same questions I had in terms of just uh, his ability just to safely uh, navigate a puck from one zone to another or to, to do it under some duress, you know, and to make a, a little clever creative play here and there to make sure that his own, the puck got from the defensive zone to the offensive zone. And those were big questions early in the season with him when I saw him. Uh, he, wasn't anywhere close to being good at that and now i see significant improvement in that area too and so yeah i uh i i've, I've liked what i've seen from him uh, i you know i think he's still uh, you know a, a bit of a, a project of course and he's not a guy that i would pencil in for an angel job next year at least on a better team maybe on the sharks you, you will pencil him um it is nice of course that he is waiver exempt so if you need to uh you can just uh you know let him develop uh a little, a little bit more with uh barracuda but yeah i think he's a guy that has shown uh i think the most important thing is that he's shown growth uh, in the season significant growth and i think that and it's not one of those things you know he's john leonard obviously or Sasha chimlowski started the season slow and uh but that, that felt like a lot of that was kind of a lot of his mental kind of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't a, a, a question of, uh, of uh, sort of uh, a talent with those guys, but they had to get over the mental blocks of being sent down and that sort of thing. Right. Whereas Scott Reedy has been good the entire season uh, with the Barracuda. I think when he left the Barracuda, he was the Barracuda's leading scorer. And mm-hmm. um, so it's been really just a, very positive season for Scott just uh, overall. And also too, it is worth noting too, that he is a little bit younger uh, then, uh, oh, you know what? No, I thought he was younger than Chimileski, but he's not. He's a little bit younger than John Leonard, but yeah. he doesn't have as much pro experience as those guys, though, uh, because yeah. uh, Scott Reedy Colin. came in. Yeah, Scott Reedy came in uh, late last year, 
uh, unlike John Leonard, who got a full pro season last year, and Chimileski, who, you know, a couple years uh, in the past. And so to see kind of Scott uh, move this quickly up through the system. And like I said, uh, been been overall quite impressed uh, with his with his play here and his progression from uh, earlier in the season is a great sign. And so if you kind of if you can draw that line, uh, if he keeps progressing in this way, then the Sharks may you know have their solid four four C for next year. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I would not uh, uh, venture to give him more than that if you're serious about making the playoffs, but. You know, the Sharks have <laughs> been giving uh, a, a young guys uh, elevated jobs uh, for the last uh, three years. It hasn't worked out at, at all, but uh, but they've been doing it. So <laughs> so yeah. maybe Scott Reedy might be next in line for that. More or less out of necessity and not want, but it, right. it has been done. Um, fuck it. Why not? Right. <laughs> no. Well, no, there's the why not. The why not. <laughs> yeah. We see that we've seen a why not the last three years, Nick. Yeah, well, I mean, if he's waiver exempt, you know, <clears throat> first couple games of the year, you know, fuck it, why not? <laughs> you know, that's just no, where I'm at. That's where I'm at. That's, that's where a lot you, of people. You want are at. somebody, somebody better uh, that you can trust in there. Let again, I, I, I like the other way around. Let's already take somebody's job. Let him take. You, if it's Nick Menino as your four C next year, let's already take Nick Menino's job and not, uh, yeah, not give. Scott Reedy to four C job and then and then by like uh November be like, oh damn it. <laughs> He's well, not you, ready for you it. Once <laughs> you want in one hand and you put all the sharks cap space in the other, and then we figure well, that's out. What's fair. That's here, fair. So. That's a fair that's a fair point too. That's a fair point too. Yeah. All right. I think that'll uh cap off our our youthful little check in there yeah and we know that there were a bunch of guys that we didn't really talk about you know uh guys like uh jeffrey vl uh lane peterson uh, no gregor we've talked a lot about jonah gadrovich uh nicholas malosh guys like that but those are just a few guys that have just been sort of uh uh, on on our minds uh recently and so we'll talk about all the guys you know we have a long long offseason (laughs) yeah what are the sharks uh, coming up uh, the (laughs) the most fluid Right. Components is what a lot of young players, on. a lot of rookies, a lot of guys to talk about. So Yeah. But jumping into our Sport Logic stat of the week, because we're coming up on uh, quite a bit of time here. We also have to get to Rasmus as well. So yep. um, we have kind of funneled down. The, the stats have kind of rounded out, Shang. The Sharks offensively are not that great. The Sharks defensively are not that bad. But... They aren't that good. They are, <laughs> yeah, they are where they are for a reason in the standings. Yep. It's it's no one's surprise here, right? But you notice something in the uh I believe this was the detailed report here. This is actually this is post this is post game against Colorado. No, no, this, this is, is pre game. Pre game, okay. I don't think any of this has changed since it doesn't then. matter. <laughs> it's probably gotten worse. So Colorado, but, yeah, Colorado kicks in in, in, in the shark's <clears> face, so Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah kicked sand. I don't know how our heads are five feet into the fucking sand, but we wanted to focus on creating offensive zone possession time. It's something we briefly, briefly touched on in the in the beginning of the season, but there just wasn't the sample size just wasn't out there, so we couldn't really glance at it and kind of hyper focus in on it on something that um, was a, a problem area for the Sharks. We've got like less than 20 games left. This is a problem for the Sharks. So the the first stat. Yeah, the sample size is out there now, and it's bad. Yeah, 
yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's not good. But the the focus here is this is even strength, which matters more because you're playing five on five more often than you're playing a man down or a man advantage. Well, it also tells you the the true like kind of nature of your team in a way because. Um, you know, on, on, on power play, uh, you know, you, you're gonna, uh, you may have more skill and, and, and whatnot, but it doesn't tell you just how good your team really is mm-hmm. and in some ways, because, and like you mentioned, Nick, yeah, you don't, you don't get, a, you don't get to play 60 minutes of power play. You're going to spend 50 minutes, 45 minutes at even strength a night, but it just gives a better sense of the overall quality of, of your team. And so, yeah. yeah, so this, this, uh, the stat here, have you, you haven't said it yet, right? No, 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 feel free. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Want to make sure that I, I'm not stepping over here, here. Um, it's, uh, offensive zone possession time and, uh, even strength offensive zone possession time. The Sharks are dead last in the league in this category. Ooh. Uh, they average, uh, four minutes and 16 seconds of, uh, of possession time a game in offensive zone. That basically means time holding the puck basically and uh the top team just to give you a a sense is edmonton at six minutes and 53 seconds and that makes sense obviously because edmonton has guys like Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl that you can't really get the puck off right and a third actually is uh, colorado at six minutes and 24 seconds a game and obviously, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr can't get the puck off of those guys. And the league media, uh, the league median or league media, yeah, the average is uh, five minutes and forty-four seconds. And so the Sharks at four sixteen. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, right? Like that's a minute thirty short of the the league uh, median. But if you think about it, that's a minute thirty less of holding the puck, having the puck in the offensive zone compared to an average team. Did you know, Shang, really quick, fun fact, your chances of scoring increase exponentially the closer you are to the opposition's net? Well, <laughs> I, I think they increase exponentially if you just have the puck in the offensive zone, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Defending, That's the, the point. The, the whole time, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, and I think some of it with the Sharks is a little uh, little systemic. Um, early in the season, we talked about how the Sharks wanted to be a four-check team, and little bit of you know win the puck on the forecheck get it quickly to the to the net kind of to some degree right mm-hmm. and so that's not all on your talent but um you want to be better than last in the league too though and so i think mm-hmm. for the sharks moving forward so how do you improve in this right obviously the obvious answer is to add better players and so we look at the sharks you know who's going to hold the puck for you on an offensive zone? It's going to be Timo Meyer. It's going to be Tomas Hurdle, right? Eric Carlson too. When he's on his game, is hard to get the puck off of. But they don't have enough guys like that. Uh, you know, how often do you see the Sharks? Just like we saw with the Avalanche, right? Cycle the puck for you know for it seems like 30, 40, 50 seconds at a time. How often do we yeah. see the Sharks do that, right? We don't see them put that kind of offensive pressure on teams. And so I think this is a category where the Sharks need to get, uh, they don't need to be league best. They don't need to get Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon to be league no. best in this category, but they need to get themselves a little bit closer to average though, for sure. Yeah. That's something that we touched on um, prior to the season starting. If the Sharks could find a way to get back to league average, the Sharks can compete for the playoffs. The stats, when we spoke to Jack Hahn about this, we talked about the power play. We asked Jack, hey, what would you do to fix the power play? And he said, well, you know, I see that the Sharks are 
just below average. They're a bottom 10 team in the NHL on the power play. So where they're at in the standings, which I believe is 11th worst in the NHL right now, um, that's where you expect them to land. Because yeah. that's, yeah. that's where they're at. You call so, them an average, below-average team, and that's yeah. basically uh, uh, what we've seen all in all. And there's, you know, not to take away from the positives from this year because there have mm-hmm. been compared to last year, but yes. uh, that's where the Sharks, you know, their their record is 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 accurate of, of who they are. Yeah, and this is not average or below average. This is bottom of the barrel, scraping the dirt off the bottom of that wine barrel. Right, um, right. And so hopefully if we talk realistically, you know, maybe the Sharks can find, you know, we talked about how the Sharks get better and with mm-hmm. their lack of cap space. Uh, again, have to, you know, re- repeat it uh, that I don't see how the Sharks can get better if they don't buy out a Mark Edward Vlasic, if they don't find a way to get rid of uh, Shimmick's contract, things like that, right? Because those guys mm-hmm. are, are contributing, you know, bottom pairing minutes at, you know, combined $10 million. And so... If you manage to make create uh, uh, manufacturing cap space that way, then maybe you got to look for a forward that uh, can help you in this department in the in the in the possession time department. Yeah, and we talked about the sharks being oh, it's more systemic in the fact that they run that dump and chase. Um, Timo Meyer can't be the only one that can successfully walk into the offensive zone either. Like you're going to need it. It shows here. As well, even strength successful controlled entries last. Even strength controlled entry success percentage last. <laughs> even strength forechecking success percentage dead last. Like all of this, if you're going to be a forecheck heavy team, that success percentage needs to be up there. It needs yeah, no, to be absolutely too. Game. And yeah, like uh, in terms of just what the Sharks were trying trying to run, you know, uh, you know, once you win that puck, you dump it in, you win it on the forecheck. It'd, it'd be nice if. Uh, you get that chance and then you recover the puck and you can hold it a little bit more. You have the guys that can cycle it and give it to each mm-hmm. other and whatnot. And just to, you know, rest your defense a little bit and yeah. to uh, put some pressure on the other team. And again, yeah, the Sharks are not strong in this department. Uh, I know that it's all anecdotal, but yeah, we don't see the Sharks uh, pin the team down, right? Pin the opposition down in their own zone uh, for for long stretches of time, uh, like we used to. And like you see the best, like you see Colorado does to San Jose. And obviously uh, San Jose is not going to be Colorado next year. They're not going to trade for Nathan McKinnon. Uh, but uh, can they get better? Can they add some a guy or two uh, that can help in this department? Uh, you know, there are going to be uh, guys out there who can who can help them in this area and uh, get them closer to, uh, you know, league average, get them back into the, the playoff uh, conversation yeah i think it reflects the sharks puck management skills which is uh not good to say the least and so that's something that whether it's systemically or like you said via uh player acquisition free agency trade whatever it might be uh that puck management for the sharks needs to get better needs to get back yeah to at least oh that's a that's a whole average. different thing that's another uh, department that, that we're that we're talking about there though yeah. so 
Yeah. So uh, there are obviously uh, a lot of areas uh, for them to to get better at. I would say that um, I guess we're going off a little off topic, but since you know we're talking about these different categories, um, that I think that Bob Bugner had the right idea this year and trying to get these guys to play better defense to give them a more of a chance. And uh, to the team's credit, they did play overall better defense, have played better defense this year, and Mm -hmm. they've made it. uh, They've given uh, James Reimer. Um, whoever's been in net a better chance and James Reimer has returned in kind, you know, with strong play too. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I think with the limited talent, uh, or the declining talent that Bob Wigner has at his disposal, that I think that this was sort of the right approach, even if some of these offensive stats are ugly. And again, so a little bit of it is, is systemic like that, uh, controlled entry number, uh, last in the league part of it is because, uh, they don't have a lot of guys beyond a team on wire that you re- that you can rely on to carry the puck in, and yeah. so it's better at times instead of having a just give you an example not to pick on a guy, but instead of having a, a Rudy Balzers try to enter the zone with possession when he's not going to break through, better just have him dump it in and and, and try to win the puck that way, and yeah. if. If you can't win the puck, then at least the puck is 200 feet away from your net, and so their team's got to go a long way to, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to get a chance on, on on your guy instead of, you know, mistakes in a neutral zone that shorten the ice, counterattack that sort of thing, right? And yeah. so that's what a Bob Winner, Bob Bugner was uh, was uh, realized that Sharks, this Sharks team couldn't do that anymore. Um, so yeah, so I think it's a, a a good question. You know, a lot of these kind of stats are, are ugly. Some of them are ugly by design, <laughs> like, uh, like, like, like we mentioned and, mm-hmm. uh, see what, uh, what he may do to kind of, uh, uh, amend, uh, some of these things next year or, or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shang, I think that pretty much wraps up our, uh, I wouldn't say just shark centric, but non interview portion of this podcast. We yep. have a, a whole other portion coming up here. Another, Another wonderful interview guest. Again, uh, Rasmus Kogström uh, from Hockey Svedia. So we have him dialed up. Of course, before we do that, we do have to do a quick thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older only. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And without further ado, here's our interview with Rasmus. Joining us this week all the way from beautiful Sweden, recommended to me by my buddy Uffe Boden, who is the man for Swedish hockey. And he recommended a Rasmus Kogstrup, uh, editor at Hockey Swedia. 
<laughs> but Rasmus is uh, completely plugged in on all questions about William Eklund's season in your gardens and other matters of Swedish hockey importance. And uh, before we bring uh, Rasmus in, one fun fact about Rasmus, uh, he was a goalie in uh, SHA, SHL junior program, and he was teammates with uh, Victor Arvidsson. And so how was playing with Victor Rasmus? Oh, man, he, he scored a lot of goals in practice. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, obviously, he, he was a great player uh, at that time already. So uh, I'm not uh, not surprised that he is in the NHL right now. So it's, it's really fun to see. <laughs> is that one of those things when you're like, uh, you know, we, when you were uh, played with Victor, you guys were both 17 and you just know how good uh, uh, he is compared to everybody else. I looked at some of the stats you know, he has like 40 points or something and then everybody else has like 10 points or something like that. So was it kind of like that, that he was like uh, leagues above everybody else? Yeah, you can say that. Uh, when we, when we were like 14, 15, he maybe wasn't as dominant, but mm -hmm. it was like at some point he just clicked for him and he went on a crazy like development sprout that uh, ended up, yeah, in the NHL, he, he was a dominant junior player. I think he scored over 100 points in, in one season. Uh, so, yeah, you could tell pretty early that uh, he, he would be a great player. Uh, he obviously had his size against him when he was younger, but, you know, he bulked up uh, a whole bit. So uh, <laughs> that, that isn't a problem anymore. And before we talk about uh, the Sharks prospect, Willie Mecklen, who also needs to bulk up a bit himself, uh, can you tell us a little bit what you do for uh, Hockey uh, Svedia? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm an editor at Hockey Say. I'm uh, doing it for. Oh my God, I said it right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to pass out there. Okay, yeah. I can breathe finally. Yeah. I, I said it. I got that out of the way. But okay, yes, yeah, you're an editor. <laughs> yeah, I'm. A, I'm an editor, and uh, I write uh, NHL columns as well. So I cover the the NHL a bit, uh, and I'm doing it for. I've been an editor for like. I think it's three years now, uh, uh, four years since I like dipped my <laughs> dipped my toes in the in the water, but three years like full time, you could say. And how do you uh, like it? I guess in comparison to actually, you know, playing. You know, now you're on the other side of things. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I, I can't complain about anything. Uh, uh, you know, it's. I always like the like reporting and writing side of, 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 of the sport. And uh, obviously, I knew pretty early that I wouldn't be an NHL player. Uh, so <laughs> after Victor scored uh, one of many goals against you, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, one of two hundreds in the in practice. Uh, so uh, no, but uh, you know, it's it's my dream job to to be able to do this and to do it full-time just working with hockey and being around hockey and meeting all the amazing people that comes with the sport it's uh you know i uh, couldn't couldn't dream of any better job to be honest hey well let's jump into it uh we want to talk with you about uh william ecklin jonathan dolan uh players like that that you know matter to the sharks fans and so starting with uh william uh the sharks sent william ecklin back to the shl in november a ton of fanfare and he's had just one goal in 29 games in the SHL. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of, kind of seen as a, some sort of so, sort of a savior for Jurgården when he came back. Uh, but uh, when he arrived at Jurgården, the club was uh, 
yeah, you can say in, in a terrible state. Uh, the season has started really poorly for them. So he, he's had a rough time since leaving San Jose. There's, there's no way around it. Uh, when he came back, he, he started off great, uh, producing from the get-go. But then as, as Jurgården continued to play poorly, his game took a bit of a beating as well. Uh, he only got to play, in, I think, nine games before the World Juniors. And it's been one of those seasons when he hasn't found any continuity at all. You know, you said uh, just a second ago that he was kind of viewed as the savior for your uh, for your gardens. So with him kind of, kind of coming back and having somewhat of what, what some would figure as a lackluster season, only putting up 0.48 points per game, and they're actually in a relegation match against Jonathan Dahlen's uh, former uh, Sweden team. What is to make of Eklund's season so far? Uh, no, you know, it's... It's not, it has not been great for him. It's, it's not been a good season for him. Uh, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. Uh, one goal the whole season, it's, it's underwhelming. Uh, you know, but again, he's been on a, a team that's been very dysfunctional throughout the year. Uh, they have some coaching changes and, and all sort of stuff uh, uh, away from the ice. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not been a good season. You, you can't uh, say anything else, really. Gotcha. If you're a Sharks fan looking at uh, your garden stats, so obviously uh, well catch your eye is that a former Shark, uh, Marcus Sorensen, is tearing it up with your gardens. He's averaging about a, a point per game. And so, um, you know, obviously Marcus is an older, more mature player, but you can be productive, right, in that situation there. And so I guess uh, what is, I guess, Marcus uh, doing well there that it's just sort of not clicking with William? <laughs> Yeah, obviously, Marcus is a bit more, uh, as you said, an experienced player. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's at a higher level right now. There's uh, no way around that. Uh, he's he's uh, viewed as a star player in the SHL. He's, he's leaving Jurgården next season for playing to play in Switzerland. But uh, <clears throat> it's it's tough, you know. If you if you look at Williams' season last year, you would think maybe he would be at somewhere near the level that Sorensen is playing sure. at right now. Uh, but uh, as I said, it's, it's not just, it's just not been there for, for William. It's, uh, it's been a tough season and he, he've had his ch chances, but again, you garden has been a, a pretty terrible team to be honest. <laughs> so, you know, beyond the, the stats, the Sharks sent William back to Sweden. A big part of it was just so he could, you know, there's a lot of uh, of days in between games in the SHL. He can work out, get stronger. So at least does that appear to be happening? If if it's not really showing up on the ice, you know, off the ice, does he appear to be developing in that sense? Yeah, I, I haven't seen him uh, very much off the ice, but you can you can tell he's become a bit stronger, uh, okay. which which is good. Uh, but but it ha hasn't really translated into the game. Uh, as of yet, but I, I'm sure it will. I mean, he's still a, a, a big prospect, uh, like a, a big talent for, for the San Jose and, and Drew Gordon. So uh, just ha have a bit of patience with him. Uh, I think he will be fine. But again, uh, this season has, has not been good for him. Gotcha. So <clears throat> overall, would you kind of consider so far his, his time in Sweden still technically positive for his development? as opposed to if he were to stay 
I know it's it's kind of hard to determine, hey, if he had stayed in the NHL, he would have gotten better at this pace. But do you still think sending him back to Sweden was overall positive for his development? I mean, he was uh, he was pretty disappointed when he when he got sent back to Sweden. And I, I think it yeah. took hard on him. Uh, he wanted to play in, the San, in San Jose. And I, I think he early on he showed that he could be a player in the nhl uh but i mean it's as you said it's it's tough to say uh, if it was the right choice now the season has gone as it's it's been for him it's it's been a tough season but yeah i, I don't know maybe he would be better off in north america this season or yeah it, it's tough you know uh, yeah yeah you don't we don't really have like that ability to pick a player and put them here and say, okay, this would have been better for his development because of X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, just, just kind of putting that out there. A, a lot of people like to, when we spoke to a couple of individuals after he was sent back to Sweden, people compared because Shang and I both believe that he should have stayed based on his play, uh, how the guys around him played his camaraderie with guys like Tomas Hurdle, uh, Timo Meyer. It seemed as though he was based on playing, how the sharks aren't very good. <laughs> Yeah, that as well. Um, <laughs> he he seemed as though he could easily have been a top six forward for a struggling Sharks team. Top nine. And, well, top six in our hearts, at least. Yep. <laughs> but uh, we spoke to a number of individuals who said, you know, let's look at Lucas Raymond. He was sent back to Sweden. He put up a decent amount of points in his D1 year. He was only at .52 points per game. He wasn't on a an amazing team wasn't on a team that was struggling as bad as your gardens was. And then he comes into the NHL the year after, and he's blowing it up right now. He's in the Calder race for rookie of the year. Comparing him to William Eklund, obviously I'm not going to ask you if you can see that happening to him, but can we kind of chalk that up essentially as the same? If, if we bring in another player with Elias Pedersen, who went and played in the all Svenskin after his, his draft year, and then blew it up again in the SHL. We're talking and just catastrophically doing very well. If I have his numbers here really quick, he played, uh, it was a 56 points in 44 games. So he did extremely well compared to those two, but it's, would you say that let's not put way too much stock into this situation and that William Mecklen can still come in and be an incredibly productive player for the Sharks, much like Lucas has been for the Red Wings? Yeah, uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's proven earlier that he, he has the talent to play in NHL and maybe it won't be next year, but for sure in the future, uh, I wouldn't say many people didn't think Lucas Raymond would go straight into the NHL uh, regarding his last season in, in Sweden, which was okay, but not so much more than that, to be honest. Uh, yeah. So I think most people were pretty surprised when he, he took a roster spot from from the beginning. So uh, with William, I can see him come over next year and and like continue where where he was. Uh, I don't think this season I've hurt him so much. Uh, you know, it's just been a bad season for the team, more or less. So uh, sure. I think if, if he if you come over next year, I'm sure he would uh, be a productive player. Maybe not at uh, Raymond's pace, but for sure uh, a good player. 
Okay. Has uh, would you say uh, you know, based on what you're you're saying, it seems like it's been the entire season has been a struggle for William. So y- you you can't even say though that he's been getting better this year in any particular area. For sure. I, I, I mean, he, he's so young still. I mean, just to play mm-hmm. games, you have to remember that SHL is a tough league. It's it's a men's league. Uh, sure. You, mm-hmm. can, you can't compare it with like junior in, in North America. It's it's one of the best leagues in the world. So it's, you, you can't expect him to go in and produce like 50 points a season. Mm-hmm. There's very few players that do that. So, uh, I mean, the numbers hasn't been there, but I mean, he has get, gotten to play that's basically the most important thing maybe in his age to to be able to play with uh, with the men and and uh, like develop his his strength and his skating a bit and so i wouldn't say the season has been a waste not at all it's he's so young still so it's the most important thing for him is to play and that uh, he's done that so that that's a positive if you want to pick one positive thing out Sure. And, uh, you know, around uh, uh, your gardens in general, uh, just what sort of the perception of why this season hasn't quite worked out for him? I don't know what his William said about it. Um, you know, I know there's thoughts of, you know, he's disappointed that he was sent back. The team's not very good around him. Uh, a lot of things. Right. But just sort, sort of what is the general sentiment for why it hasn't quite clicked for him? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I had much bigger expectations on him going into the season, uh, but it's tough to pinpoint what's gone wrong. It's I think it's like you have to look at the bigger picture. Obviously, it's a bit repetitive, but but you mm-hmm. got in season has been uh, so bad. You know, before the season, people wouldn't think that they would be in a relegation battle right now and playing the relegation playoffs. So. Uh, I know it's hard to, to pinpoint one thing that's why it's become this way. I, I would probably say if we had played on a different team in the SHL, I don't mm-hmm. think he would have struggled as much as he has done this season. Gotcha. So it seems as though this year for William has been, I wouldn't call it a perfect storm, but uh, just an overall struggle, right? He has he gets his confidence kind of struck getting sent back to Sweden. And then he, he comes into a team that's already been struggling. The expectation's very high. You know, he's he's a young kid. You know, maybe he puts too much pressure on himself and he's not performing up to his, his abilities. You know, the people, that, those around him, the media thinks that he should perform to. Um, do you think that this could kind of galvanize him just moving into the future, you know, another Sharks prospect that has considered himself bulletproof as of lately has been Thomas Bordalo because he's just been through setback after setback these last few years involving COVID exposures, uh, not being able to compete at World Juniors, and he's considered himself more galvanized and more bulletproof now because he's gone through that. He's like, there's nothing that can stop me. I'm going to continue pushing forward. Do you see William as the type of player that that approaches things the same way where he's He's viewing this type of adversity with a strong mindset and much like his dad, Fimpen, and he's going to attack it head on. You know, he's going to strengthen himself more in this offseason than come into training camp, maybe with a full head of steam, ready to not just make the Sharks, but to take a roster spot, not just be given one. Yeah, Nick, I think that's that's a good point. Uh, You know, I think he will come into next season with a a great sense of like revenge, Uh, like uh, as I said, he's still a young player, and and to to have a 
a season like that, I think he's, he's learned a lot. Uh, you know, it's not always like we'll go your way. Uh, there will come bumps in the road and he's been, uh, yeah, he, he has learned that these things will happen. And I think he will become a, a stronger player like mentally from this season. So it's, it's not just all bad, uh, you know, for sure he would have wanted a, a better productive season, but yeah, I think like from, from things outside of hockey, I think he, he will grow. And you mentioned in year garden, uh, that, that there uh, was a coaching change just in general, has that atmosphere been still, even though the team hasn't been great as it, has it still been a, a positive atmosphere for a younger player, or is that another challenge that he's had to deal with? I would say after the coaching change, uh, I think the like the atmosphere around the club has been a lot better. Uh, okay. The team have played better as well. Uh, obviously not good enough uh, to to be able to avoid uh, the relegation playoffs, but in fairness, they were pretty close. Uh, so it's been like after you say after Christmas, uh, after New Year's, it's it's been going better for them. Uh, it's been it was it was like the first half of the season that was really poor uh then it's 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 been better and i think the atmosphere around the club now they have a new uh general manager as well uh mm -hmm. which has bring in uh, brought in a lot of energy to the club as well so it's it's more positive now than it was uh like five months ago for sure how important is it for william to end his season strong you know how important can that be for him even though the regular season hasn't gone the right way, but you end the season strong, uh, be it in the relegation series, you know, uh, end it strong, or in the World Juniors uh, if he plays in that uh, this summer. Yeah, that will be important, uh, like especially for his team. Like Urgarden is a, it's the team that like the Montreal Canadiens of the SHL. They have won the most titles. Of, I don't think you want to get relegated with that team. It's his like boyhood <laughs> club as well. So uh, that will be important for him. And he's expected to be one of the players that uh, will make sure to avoid that drop. Uh, regarding World Juniors, uh, I, I think that would be a great uh, situation for him to to be, be able to come over to, to Edmonton this summer and play. Um, you know, he... All, all that stuff uh, during Christmas with the World Juniors, with him leaving for about a month from the SHL season, that didn't help as well. Sure. You know, it, it, the season went, he missed a lot of games and for nothing, basically. Uh, so to, to be able to compete in the World Juniors and, and have a, a great showing there, uh, that would be important for him. Okay, and the last question about William. We're going to put you on the spot here. Uh, what do you see as sort of his NHL outlook next year? Like if you were to say, predict a, a number of points he would score uh, next year. For uh, It's assumption that, that he's going to come over and he's going to go right to the Sharks lineup. But that was the assumption when they sent him back after this season. You know, who knows, right? But uh, Well, it's a tough question, but... <laughs> If I would have to guess, I would think uh, if if you get get in a full eighty two season, eighty two game season, I would probably think like somewhere around Dolan, what what he's producing right now, okay. maybe five thirty points, something okay. like that. Okay.
That's a, okay, that's a not, start. Not, not 80 points. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not the savior of the Sharks. So. Not yet, at no, least. Not, 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 next, not next year, but maybe in the future, yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, you mentioned uh, uh, Jonathan Dolan. And so I want to ask you a little about him. I'm not sure how much you get to see him uh, this year. Uh, obviously, uh, he's in the NHL. But uh, from what you've seen or just what you've heard uh what do you think is more real uh, from Jonathan Dolan? You know, his early season hot start or the kind of slump that maybe he's been in the last couple of months here? I would probably think somewhere in between. Uh, yeah. I, you know, he, he got off to a great start this season. I think he was scoring like seven goals in his first 15 games or yep. something like that. Uh, maybe it would have been a bit of a reach to think that we, we he would be able to keep uh, his production up uh, in that sort of level, uh, considering he had made a pretty big leap uh, this year, going from the second tier of Swedish hockey straight into the NHL. And it's it's not not a lot of players that uh, are able to do that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, somewhere between like his his hot start and his if you would say cold, cold, uh, how cold he has been like since the last few months, maybe uh, somewhere in between that. Uh, I mean, if you were looking ahead, I think he will be a, a steady point producer in the NHL. Uh, maybe more to to the to the start he had this season over time, mm-hmm. uh, but he's definitely better than what he has shown uh, the last. Uh, yeah, few months there. So in covering Jonathan kind of throughout his career, he he didn't take the most traditional path to the NHL, you could say. You know, he gets drafted by Vancouver. Things kind of go awry in their AHL program. He comes back. He goes and plays in, you know, Hockey Allsvenskan and kills it for his club, gets them to promote up to the SHL. Did you ever think that Jonathan Dolan wasn't ever going to be an NHLer? Or did you believe from the get, like, hey, he's going through a bit of a tough time. He's going through his adversity, but I still think he's an NHL player. Yeah, for sure. Over time, I I was pretty confident that he would be an NHL player. Uh, You know, as you said, he took an unconventional path, uh, you know, playing playing in the Hockey Alliance as long as he did. Uh, I think... uh, Many people questioned his choice. Uh, many people here in Sweden questioned his choice to first go back from North America and then to play in play in Hockey Allsvenskan again. You know, being he, he was dominant there, like as, as a junior, so it, it didn't really make sense. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, he his love for for his home hometown team uh, was bigger, and he also wanted to have some like uh, what do you say? stability at home uh, after what he'd been through in in Vancouver and, and Utica so uh, at, at at that time when when he showed how how dominant he was in, in hockey Sanskan and he also got to play in, in the national team as national team that's that's not a lot of players from the hockey Sanskan who do that basically no one so that, that tells you something about him that he's a special player and I, and I was pretty certain that one day he would play in the NHL. Uh, then I, I wasn't sure he was going to take a roster spot from the start this season, but, uh, you know, he, yeah, he had a good training camp. So uh, mm. it's just been uh, rolling with it since. And 
Jonathan hasn't、uh, said too much to the English media about what happened in Utica, but is is there a, a more knowledge about that? You know,、uh, in your circles, or、uh, is he pretty quiet about it, even to Swedish press? No, he hasn't talked a lot about it.、Uh, to be honest with you,、uh, I don't think it's that much more than、uh, than he didn't he didn't、uh, like it.、Uh, he, he wasn't like. Uh, what do you say? He he didn't he didn't enjoy his time,、uh, and that that's important for him. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, he 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 took care of himself、uh, back home. He like recharged his batteries, which was I think it was important for him because if he wouldn't have done it, if he would like have stuck with it, I'm not sure he would. Ever become an NHL player because、mm. you know the, the mental health side of of this game is so important. And at the beginning of this season, when Dolan was lighting it up, a lot of Canucks fans were very upset about trading him for Linus Carlson. And Carlson was coming off last year, you know, pretty decent season in Allsvenskan. Linus Carlson, by the way, was a third round draft pick of the Sharks in 2018, traded for Jonathan Dolan at the 2019 trade deadline. Uh, but anyway, uh, now uh, Carlson uh, in his rookie a- SHL season has 26 goals in just 52 games. He's second in the league in goals. And so, beginning of the season, we we're talking about Dolan being the one who got away for the Canucks. But is Carlson going to be the one who got away for the Sharks? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Carlson is、uh, probably the player I've been watched the most this season. So I've been really impressed with him so far.、Uh, you know.、Uh, When he got drafted by the the Sharks back in 2018, I I, I don't think the common Swedish hockey fan honestly knew who he was because、mm-hmm. uh, he only had played uh, like a, a handful of games with Karlskrona in the SHL, and who, at that time was wasn't a really good team、uh, to be honest. And he mostly played junior hockey. So、uh, at the time the trade happened, I, I think、uh, most people、uh, thought that. The Sharks was the the biggest winner in that trade.、Uh, since then, he, he's、uh, what stands about stands out about his journey for me is the patience he's had with himself,、uh, Linus. First off, m- most young Swedish players move to to big clubs. I guess you could call it an academy when they're like fifteen or sixteen years old. Carlson he he waited another two seasons before before leaving his hometown team,、uh, and like. I I think he he moved just、uh, the, the year before he got drafted. So,、uh, yeah, he's he's been very patient with himself. Like, for he could have moved to the SHL way earlier than he did, but he chose to stay in, in Hockey Allsvenskan and keep producing, keep、uh, being a, a an important player. And this season, he's shown that.、Uh, I mean, what is the score like? When, what was twenty six goals? Twenty six、uh, goals. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's <laughs> pretty good there's, for a rookie. <laughs> that's not many rookie rookie players that have done that. I think Elias Pettersson scored twenty four when he was a rookie in the league. Not to compare the players, but but I mean that says something. And and he's he's developed to be in、uh, a star player in the SHL. And I don't think many saw that coming when when Sharks drafted him、uh, in the third round. To to be honest, so. Yeah, I don't know if the Sharks saw that. <laughs> they want to trade. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so maybe 
oh, I, I mean, time will tell. Uh, but Vince Carlson, what he's produced this season and what he's shown and his his development uh, the last couple of years here, I mean, yeah, maybe it's the, the Canucks that's the biggest winner of this trade. <laughs> well, here's another question on the spot then. So going forward next season on, who has the better angel career? Oh, uh, uh, I mean, Carlson is a bit more of a, a goal scorer. So, I mean, he, he has to find, find the right spot in the team. Uh, right. Dalin could be a little bit more all-around. Uh, so, if I, based on that, I, I would say maybe Dalin. But uh, if, if Carlson finds the right spot and if, if he gets to play in the left uh Left wing in the power play in Vancouver, getting feeds from uh, Pedersen. I mean, yeah. he can score a hell of a lot of goals. <laughs> Isn't Just that funny, him too? Next because... to his country mate Elias, right? Just pin him yeah. right next to him, and I'm sure he'll he'll pot 30 goals a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. because that's funny because the, the whole plan, because Jonathan Dolan and Elias Pedersen are good friends, and the whole plan for them was to play together. And the Canucks trade Dolan for Carlson. It might be Carlson taking kind of what was supposed to be Jonathan Dolan's spot uh, with the Canucks potentially. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting how, how things turn out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we will see how I think Carlson ha- will have to sign his NHL deal uh, this spring or summer. Uh, otherwise, the Canucks will lose the rights to him. But I mean, he will sign. Uh, so then again, it's been some talks that he would stay in Sweden next year. Uh, mm-hmm. That. That has always been his plan, and he's always stuck to his plan earlier. So we'll see what happens. I mean, in the end, it's the Canucks who decide where he plays. But uh, I think uh, Carlson wouldn't mind playing another year in Sweden as well. Mm, okay, okay. So it might be another year before we get to really match them up, uh, uh, Jonathan Dolan and Linus Carlson. But speaking of another Linus, uh, the Sharks drafted uh, Linus Oberg. Uh, in 2020 in the seventh round. And he's had another uh, solid season. He's up to uh, 17 goals this year after 13 in his uh, rookie SHL year. Just any thoughts? What have you heard about his progress, his upside, when the Sharks might see him? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, again, when when they drafted him, uh, I don't think many people had so good like knowledge of him. He had... Uh, Started to make it, make himself a name in the SHL, but you know this season is for every season he's played in the SHL, he's taken steps. And this year he's played on a good Arabro side that's maybe played under their like capability, but he's a good player for them. And I mean, 17 goals that's that's good in the SHL. Uh, like I, I would like to remind people that SHL is is a good league, it's a men's league, so. Scoring 17 goals is good, and he's taking good steps uh, ever since getting drafted, really. So uh, I don't know what the, the plan is for for Herbert with Sharks, but, uh, I mean, I definitely see uh, he can get a, had a cup of coffee in the NHL for sure. When uh, they drafted him, the sort of talk around him was that he would probably end up being more of a bottom six forward if he made it to the NHL. That was more his projection. Uh, that has is that sort of remained the that's still the projection for him if he makes it? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, he he hasn't like the the off- offensive upside maybe as you would uh, would 
have in the NHL sure. as a top six. Uh, so, but he has some grit to his game. He, he can be physical. He, he can skate. So, I mean, I think he could slot up, slot in in a bottom six, uh, bottom six forward pairing for sure in in the future. But you know, it's yeah, we, we'll see. Uh, he, I think he, he would need some more time here in Sweden before sure. going over. But uh, yeah, for sure, uh, that's that sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to hear that he's uh, progressing. And uh, the last uh, uh, Sharks prospect uh, uh, in Sweden now uh, is off to a slow start in Osvenskan, and that's uh, uh, Theo uh, Jakobsen. And uh, yeah. so just, you know, any thoughts about him and just uh, how he is coming along? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't seen a great lot of, of his game this season. Uh, I saw that he got uh, he got picked for the, playing the under 19 national team here uh this coming tournament so that's something but uh i mean he hasn't produced a whole lot of points in in moto in, in mm -hmm. the hockey Svenskan, but he's been a productive player in the juniors so um you know you always have to have some patience with these guys uh moda has been great at producing players they have been uh, constantly producing players to play in the shl uh so uh if uh, maybe I, an, another year in moto and then go on to the shl who knows what, what can happen but uh, this season is it's not been productive in in with the with the men's team you can say that gotcha and we're gonna move into another another sharks player from sweden you might know him his name is eric carlson he's uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's had a He's had a couple tough years for the Sharks, you know, barring injury, uh, some some lackluster production from what we're used to. So, obviously, he's still a well-known name over there in Sweden. It's to be expected. What's the perception of him over there in, in Sweden right now? Uh, I think uh, most would agree that he's past his prime. Uh, there's, like, no, no doubt about that. Uh, he's still a great player uh, i mean maybe he's not hasn't played as an 11.5 million dollar defenseman <laughs> but uh, i mean he's, he's still he's still a good player but you know he's he's not near the level the norris level he was at a uh, few seasons ago so uh but i i think carlson is still very well liked here in sweden uh you know he's been open to playing the world championships here this spring if if it wouldn't be if San Jose don't go to the playoffs, so which I think they gotta worry about they're that. not. <laughs> 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 Eric and Book is decade for the world. Yeah, Championship. yeah, and uh, yeah. So so he hasn't played that much in the national team here in Sweden. I think last time he played was the World Cup in 2016. So, uh, but but he, he's still viewed as a star here in Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, he, he's he's a big name for sure. It wasn't a surprise when Eric was not named uh, with the the Olympic team. The you know the first players that were picked, like he wasn't really even honestly even considered in in that group, right? Uh, you mean the top the, the three players they yeah, chose? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that that wasn't that wasn't a surprise at all. Uh, I would say that you know Victor Hedman is is a pretty good defenseman as well. So uh, you can like <laughs> blame 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 the coach to to pick him and. Uh, yeah uh 
So no, it, it wasn't that surprise. He probably will, would be on the Olympic team. That that's no question about that. But uh, he, he's not the best defenseman in, in Sweden anymore. You, you can't sure. say that. Sure. Okay. Well, you I know, think, we um, uh, just to close really up quick, here. Shang, I, okay. I had yeah. one more thing to throw in there. While sure. while we know he has somewhat declined as a player, like you said, he's not worth eleven and a half million dollars, and he has a a bit of a comedic side to him with the media, especially. I don't know if you've seen the the Apple thing where I think someone asked him if that was his best game that he had played in a while. He took the biggest bite of the apple <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life, and then said, "Not even close." Not even as close. he chucked the apple, <laughs> it was it was amazing. Like his his demeanor and everything um, as a hockey player is it, it, honestly it's. Fun if you to haven't see watched it, uh, yeah, it's it's from last year, and uh, he scored uh, two goals and he scored the shootout winner. And so, and somebody asked him, uh, Eric, is was this your best offensive game ever? And <laughs> he, he just said, looked at the camera and said, "Not even close. <laughs> Not even close." It was. Uh, it was had great. A, just had a couple of good games in the NHL earlier. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Also, although his play has somewhat declined, it has been great for me as a father to see his. Um, his development as a dad and see the softer side that his wife likes to post on Instagram. So it, it is great to see that, that human side of Eric, him being a girl dad, especially it's, it's been great to see for me personally. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's a funny guy for sure. Yeah. Even funnier in Swedish. And we'll make sure <laughs> I, that we send you, that. I'll DM you the video of, uh, of that incident after the game. I'll actually do it right after we're done here. So that way I make sure that you watch that. I mean, just to even tell you something today, we talked to Eric uh, today because uh, Eugene Melnick, uh, he passed. And obviously, Eric had a long standing relationship with Eugene uh, as when when Eric was with the Ottawa Senators. And somebody asked uh, Eric about uh, the 2013 incident when uh, Matt Cook uh, sliced, uh, you know, Eric Carlson's Achilles tendon with his skate. And then Eugene Melnick uh, said, <laughs> Eugene Melnick said that he was going to launch an investigation. Eugene Melnick talked with forensic doctors to try to prove that Cook tried to hurt Eric Carlson intentionally, uh, and that was a whole big, big thing in 2013-14. Anyway, uh, Eric, uh, Eric laughed. Uh, you know, when we asked him, like, do you remember that? And Eric's like, of course, of course, I remember that. And then I asked Eric. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, did you see that as you know one of the the, the highlights of of uh of your relationship with eugene and eric just looked at me he's like what you mean getting hurt <laughs> i'm like no no not getting hurt no no just the passion that eugene melnick showed you know standing up for you <laughs> but you know eric knows what he's doing you know like it was you know it just was kind of a fun like he's just very dry like that so even <laughs> this regular everyday press conference like you know i you know it's, i don't i'm not going to tweet about it he's not like it's not as hilarious as, as the Apple, but just everyday regular Eric Carlson is pretty funny. So I would love to interview him in Swedish one day because I'm sure that that would be, uh, like you said, uh, Rasmus, even more hilarious. But <laughs> Shang, he's yeah. been catching haymakers from Sharks Media the last two to three seasons. No, so hey, that's not that's, that's He's not got fair. to jab you guys back every once in a while. You know? <laughs> that's not fair. Even he says that we're way nicer than the than the Canadian media, which we are. So Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of a given, though. I mean. <laughs> if, if, if he if he if he did what he did the last two years in Toronto or even Ottawa, I think it'd be a lot tougher for him. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but anyway, though, so Rasmus, so, so we talked uh, with you about uh, 
the past of, of you know, uh, Eric Carlson, right? Sort of uh, the, the Swedish Sharks past, Swedish Sharks uh, uh, present with William Eklund, uh, Jonathan Dolan. Now we're going to ask you just to close off here about uh, the Swedish Sharks potential future and the 2022 NHL draft. And, you know, who are some of the first potential first rounders coming out of Sweden? It's actually interesting to note that uh, William Eklund uh, in your gardens has a couple of teammates uh, who are projected to be first rounders this year. Yeah, your garden is uh, is like they they played very poorly this <laughs> season, but they have a ton of talent in the team. So yeah, I think uh, Jonathan Lekirimäki is is one player. He's uh, pretty similar, like in his playing style with Alexander Holtz. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a righty with a great shot, and he's he's one of the players that most likely will be picked in, in the first round, I would say, I'm sure he would be picked in the first round. Uh, they have uh, Liam Ögren, who's been an absolute machine in the junior team. Uh, he's also had got to play in, in the SHL, and they got Noah Östlund, who's also produced really well and is, is a big prospect. So yeah, Jurgården has uh, a, a lot of talent, and they have always like been able to produce. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and like they're they're from Stockholm. It's the biggest biggest city in Sweden, and they have a, a lot of a big prospect pool there. But they they've done a great job, uh, like developing talents. And yeah, this uh, this summer it will be a uh, few more that will uh, get to be drafted early, just like William. Uh, are there any, anyone else uh, from uh, Sweden besides the the Jurgardens kids that look like they're first rounders? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say so. Uh, really? I think okay. th- th- those three are are the m- my main suspects, if you would mm. call them that, uh, to to be to be in the first round. I mean, you, you don't know what the the NHL teams think. They can have a totally different outlook on things. But if I if I I would have to put my money on on three players, it, it would be them. Hmm, okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, interesting to note that uh, your gardens has basically uh, monopolized the, you know, the, the seller in the SHL, but also the <laughs> angel draft lottery too, which is a good thing, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to say that uh, Threllunda is uh, the Gartenberg team as also they probably is the biggest like producers of talent. You know, it's the Raymonds, the Dollings, all sure. those guys. So. Uh, but but Drew Gordon is has a very good uh, like uh, academy for producing players. Hmm. Okay. Great. Well. Well, uh, Rasmus, I really appreciate your time and your insight uh, on you know everything uh, Swedish hockey on w- William Eklund's season uh, in Sweden. Um, where can we uh, find you on Twitter? Yeah, uh, Twitter Rasmus Kagström, uh, like my my name without the dots. So uh, yeah. <laughs> If you, want, you, and if you want to follow from Swedish hockey, you can you can follow me there. Okay, yeah, it's uh, R A S M U S K A G S T R O M and uh, editor for. I'm not going to say it again because I said it right the first time, but it is one of the the, the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, Swedish uh, uh, hockey outlet there. Uh, so, uh, a hockey S V E R I G E. Uh, 
yeah. you know what? Uh, just put in Google Translate, and there's the stuff is incredible. <laughs> um, I can tell you just from experience, uh, Swedish players, you know, any player in language, they always talk more to the in language media than they do the English media. Uh, that's just the truth of things. So it's always worth uh, checking out what's going on uh, in, uh, in Swedish media with you know guys like you're going to hear more. Carlson's going to talk a little bit more. Eklund's going to talk a little bit more. All that stuff. All right. Thanks again, Rasmus, for joining us. I hope you have a great rest of your day. It's time for us to get ready for bed over here on this side of the world. But I hope you have a great rest of your day. And uh, thanks again for joining us, man. You take care. Yeah, thanks for having me. Big thank you to Rasmus for jumping on the podcast for us. Uh, Again, fun fact, it was kind of weird. It being almost midnight here and the sun rising beautifully in the background of his uh, of his background there. So it was the, always a weird little uh, time change there, that nine-hour difference between the United States and Sweden. It's, it's always a bit funky. But, uh, again, thank you to Rasmus for jumping on. Make sure you go over to Twitter and follow him at Rasmus Kogstrom, K-A-G-S-T-R-O-M. Shang spelled it before, but we always like to remind you. Uh, again, it's Hockey Svedia. That's where you can find all of Ufe's work as well. Uh, Google Translate will translate all of it from Swedish to English. So if you're looking for in-depth SHL coverage of the relegation match between your garden and Timra, feel free to go over there as well. And uh, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us today on the podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening in. Make sure if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us five stars and review. We really appreciate it. It supports the hell out of us, essentially. So thank you again for all listening in. Make sure you all stay safe and stay hydrated. Ooh.